Hey, Barstool listeners, you can find every episode of this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. For us, golf is simple. It's a chance to get out and have some fun with our friends. But inevitably, little things have a way of ruining it. The group ahead is taking forever. You can't find the fairway with a map. And the Bev cart is nowhere to be found. And the best way to make a bad day better is Fireball Whiskey. You get their nips, the little shooters. They are great. Makes bad day way, way, way better. Make sure to grab the new Fireball Birdie Shot Club. It's literally a golf club filled with Fireball nips. Put it in your bag. It'll fit right in that side pocket. Drink Fireball nips and have a great time on the golf course. We're a couple weeks post-Super Bowl. We got a great show today. Super Bowl winning center, Ryan Jensen. First team, all agitator on the program. Really fun interview we taped uh, last week, uh, right after the parade. Um, Fun show, but let's get to the headlines. We got a little bit of drama in uh, your hometown right now of Indy. So, Michael Pittman Jr., uh, is a second-year receiver at a USC. He was a high second-round pick last year. He's played one year with the team. He wears number 11. Now, the Colts just traded for a quarterback who has worn number 11 his entire career, Carson Wentz. Adam Schefter uh, putting out photoshops of, uh, of Wentz wearing the number 11. But not so fast. Michael Pittman Jr. says he's not going to relinquish it. So he says, I am number 11. I don't think there's any deal that's going to be done. Uh, He said, yeah. So I spoke to Carson just seeing how locked in I was on the number 11. And I told him I was locked in. He was like, okay, cool, bro. Because I was probably going to switch anyway. Uh, What do we think about this? Is this a bad sign already for Carson Wentz, who has a reputation for maybe not being the most well-liked quarterback? Yeah, I I love that version of the story because it's like when – you know, you're, you're the kid that like is trying to hang out with people, but they don't want you to hang out. And right, yeah. you're, you're trying to see the plans and they're like, ah, oh, nah, bro. I think I'm just going to like stay in. You're like, yeah, I don't really think I was going to go do anything. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's weird, dude. Like all of a sudden I feel like the last two years, like Carson Wentz has just become like this enigma that people don't like and can't stand. Like, I, I honestly, I feel like in terms of, locker room and the way that people talk about it. I mean, not in terms of the outside shit that's gone on in their careers, but like, it reminds me a little bit of big Ben, like big Ben is always just, you know, granted things off the field, things like that. Everything is coming to play, but like he has always had this stigma with them throughout really his entire career after his first season or two of just like kind of a guy that the media doesn't like at all that, mm. uh, you know, a lot of people around the league apparently don't like, like there's always, instead of like getting the benefit of the doubt, there's always just kind of like uh, people want to go after him. And I feel like that's what has happened to Carson Wentz. Like, do you feel like it just kind of came out of nowhere? Like I know last year was bad and he like didn't talk to the head coach and stuff, but I'm still trying to like pinpoint exactly where this whole like Carson Wentz is the worst came from. Um, Let's also not gloss over that. So there was a report, a report that came out that said he didn't talk to Doug Peterson for eight, nine, or even 10 weeks. So, I mean, that's at least some point of Wentz being the starter. He's not talking to the head coach, which feels like a big deal, um, especially when you got to go over game plans and, you know, kind of what plays you like and things like that. Um, yeah, I, I I think, honestly, when Nick Foles came, came along and won the Super Bowl, like Wentz was the front runner probably for MVP until he got hurt in whatever it was, week 12 or 13 of that season. And then the team goes on this run and everybody rallies behind Nick Foles, which they should have because, you know, Carson Wentz had no shot of returning uh, that season. They obviously went on to, you know, do great things and win the Super Bowl. 
but I don't think that people necessarily got over that. Like Foles is then gone the next year to Jacksonville. Um, and you know, it, it wasn't, it was a very clear, like pick a or B and they went with Wentz, which, you know, based on track record, he's the you know number two pick in the, in the draft. He's played really well. There's no reason you think he can't recover from an ACL injury. And they just didn't really put a supporting cast around him. I mean, in an interview that's going to come out later, we talked to LaShawn McCoy, who, you know, basically just said he wasn't throwing to anyone that was like very good. Um, I use the term bums. He did not, but um, you know, <laughs> he just didn't really have weapons on the outside of throw to So they didn't really arm him with the ammo to be successful. And this past year, he was just, he was bad. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of things contributed to that, but uh, he was benched and then ultimately traded. I don't necessarily know exactly. You can't pinpoint the exact moment where the team's like, nah, we're not down with this guy. Because um, he definitely did have his supporters in the Eagles locker room. But you just, yeah, you get that feeling from just hearing it so many times around the league about, you know, does Carson Wentz teammate, do Carson Wentz teammates really like him? <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it, it's just like this narrative, I get, or just whatever that just took off. I mean. I don't really know. I, I think that I think that now he's not going to wear number eleven, which makes sense. I mean, you know, change the scenery, we're changing the whole thing. We're changing towns, we're changing colors, we're changing conferences. Yep. Let's change the number as well. Let's just get it all behind him. I think what has to happen, Stephen, I, I, you have to give him number twelve. We have to exercise these demons as a city of Indianapolis and as uh, the franchise for the Colts. You got to give him number twelve. We we we've got to get beyond. Andrew Luck, I think the way to do it is you have this new young, you know, potentially potentially could be, you know, a saver in terms of getting you uh, in the right spot at quarterback with Carson Wentz. Give him number 12. Let's exercise those demons. I think you got to do it. So I actually have a fun story that I haven't really told many people um, that has somewhat of an impact on the Bucks about a specific number. So Devin White wore number 40 in college in LSU, which I'm sure you know. Um, and he had a big hashtag that he would tweet out with everything and on Instagram, whatever it said, get live 40. And he would do this for, you know, every game. Um, when he got drafted by the bucks, his hope was to wear number 40, which is a retired number for Mike Allstop. Yep. So, uh, uh, during off season, during the off season, he used to do like rookie photo card shoots and things like that. So he did a shoot for, I believe it was Panini or something like that. And he's wearing number 41. Uh, so clearly disappointed he didn't get number 40, just kind of picked a number close to that. I don't, I want to go on record. I don't do this a ton, but, uh, I saw a story on pro football talk that said that the deadline for rookies to change their number was the next day. So I saw these pictures of Devin white in number 41. I was like, that's kind of weird. I was like, that sucks. He can't get number 40, but you know, maybe something else is better. So I DM'd him and I said, Hey man, sorry. Number 40 didn't work out, but you know, 45 has a nice ring to it. Get live 45 rhymes. Levante David wears number 54. It would be kind of cool. He wrote back like thinking face, like a million thinking faces emojis. Next day, story breaks. He's changed his number to 45. Whoa, dude. So that's my very little piece of Bucks history. If he ever goes up in the ring of honor, a very small corner of that is mine. So I don't know about small, man. I mean, I think that you should like introduce him into the ring of honor then, because I mean, you, you're the reason he changed his number. He would have been 41. Get yeah, live 41. That's, that sounds awful. It doesn't sound good. Right. Yeah. I met him um, very briefly uh, last year after a game 
Um, and I was like, Hey, I'm a guy that DM'd you. He was like, Oh man, thanks for that. Um, yeah, but uh, very, very quick interaction. But, uh, but also, well, that's, that's phenomenal. I did. I'm glad you told us that, but also it made me think about, um, when Leonard Fournette, when Lombardi Lenny mm-hmm. signed with the bucks and yep. all those photoshops were 27, yeah. but Rojo was already 27. Yeah. He went to 28. Things worked out. All right. Yeah, that's true. Yep. So, um, yeah, so it definitely can work out. Um, there was a story actually. Um, Peter King had Jason Light, the Bucks GM, on his podcast a couple weeks ago, and um, Jason Light told the story about when Tom Brady signed. They already have a very good player that wears number twelve, Chris Godwin. So he's yep. like, I don't know what you want to do about that. Like, you know, you guys can kind of work stuff out uh, if you want. And Tom Brady said, "You know what? I'll just wear number seven. Uh, kind of referring to he's in pursuit of a seventh championship instead godwin actually proactively reached out to brady and offered him the number uh, which is a number he's worn his whole career his wife i think uh, his chris godwin's wife's twitter handle something is like miss 12 so like they're very <laughs> aligned with that name um and he gave it to brady free of charge um so uh kind of a respect thing obviously tb12 sports etc um it's very branded so and tom brady is the greatest player of all time um, but interesting story with, with numbers. Um, I didn't think yeah, it was kind of weird that like, well, I don't, I just don't think it's being super well to Carson Wentz's reputation, because if he was a guy like that, not saying like everyone has to be as selfless as Chris Godwin was in that situation, proactively offer their number. Michael Pittman is a second year player. He's played one year in the league. He didn't even wear, he wore number six in college. And then he started his Colts career with number 86 before settling on number 11. So this guy is not married to the number by any means. That's thought it was kind of a weird move. You got, you know, supposedly a franchise quarterback coming in who's worn that number his whole career, college, pro, et cetera. You've worn the number for, you know, not even 12 months. And you're like, nah, man, this one's mine. Yeah. I thought that was weird. Like how the way he said it and was just talking about like when he saw how locked in I, I am on it. And I just, I was like, kind of like, who the fuck are you, dude? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's also like- going to be, you're going to need, Carson wants to throw you the ball to be successful. So right. I don't know. I didn't think that was a great move by Michael Pittman Jr., but I also just think it doesn't really speak well to Carson Wentz ingratiating himself with his teammates. Yeah. Weird. Hey, do you uh I'm sure you do, but do you have a Mike Allstott Bucks jersey? Um, I don't. So I, I honestly was never a huge Allstock guy. I love his like highlight runs and stuff, but like carry to carry. Um, he had a fumbling problem his yards per carry weren't like incredible. So like he has like great things and was great for like salting the clock at the end of games. But like, as far as, um, you know, traditional fullback at that time, like he wasn't a great blocker. Like he's awesome in video games and stuff like that, but practical NFL, he wasn't my favorite guy. Not to say I disliked him because obviously I really liked him being, being a buck, but um, yeah, he wasn't my favorite player. Most like Dr. Stephen Shea answer ever. I should have known. The reason that I ask is because there's this like little, um, hole in the wall kind of like uh, sports memorabilia and card shop in Indy that I go to and they don't only have cards but they also have like apparel and stuff it's kind of like a, a like strictly like a, a goodwill for sports okay. uh, memorabilia in yep. a way but like a lot of their stuff is like pretty cool and they separate it by teams and so I was going through the bucks and they have uh like the the what, what what's your red again what's the bucks red uh it's just called red i mean i know the pantone i don't think there's it's just red for. okay because i know you have pewter but then the red okay. yeah it's like the red um like super bowl winning mike allstott jersey 
Oh, nice. Uh, and it's, it, yeah, it's like throwback. It's like the mesh, like the old school, like we used to have when we were kids. And I was like, every time I go there, I'm like, man, I kind of want this because he's a Purdue guy, you know, <laughs> yeah, and he's a baller. It would be a great jersey to wear when you're out like day drinking and fucking mm-hmm. around. But also I was like, I wonder if Stephen Shea would want this. So now I know that I can get it for myself and you. Oh, all yours, man. Okay. Um, I actually am a huge, I have, a, I don't want to say a problem, but like I'm a big eBay NFL auctions guy. Like I'm always looking for Bucks jerseys like every day of my life. That's all right. What's your collection? <laughs> I'm, I'm getting way off, but like what, what, what's your collection? I haven't talked to you about this. Like what's, do you have all the players from like growing up on the? No, I don't have like all the players, but like I don't know. I probably have like a dozen or so Bucks jerseys, maybe. Or no, I have more than that. Um, I have like a dozen like jerseys that I really like. I probably have about I don't know eighteen to twenty Bucks jerseys. So we're talking Derek Brooks, Rondé Barber, Warren Sapp. I don't have Brooks. Rondé Barber, I have Sapp. I have a couple. Um, How do you not have Derek Brooks, dude? Uh, I have. Derek Brooks is the greatest buck of all time. I have high standards, so I'm looking for. I'm in the market for a Derek Brooks jersey, but it's got to be the exact right one. Okay, fair. Yeah. If anybody, if any of the listeners know where to where to hook Stephen up with that, please, we, we got to get that for him. Game issued Derek Brooks jersey is what I'm in the market for. Which is <laughs> okay, we're getting more specific. I love yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. So Carson Wentz, it'll be interesting to see what number he ultimately decides on an indie, but. Not off to a great start, I would say. Do you know if uh, they have a deadline for that? I, I mean, I'm sure they um, do. I'm sure they do because, like, Nike has to, like, manufacture these jerseys. Right. You know, typically it would be whenever he has, like, his opening press conference that should be decided. But, you know, we're obviously not having that now. Um, so I'd say it buys him a little bit more time. So I would say a couple of weeks at least. Like, probably by – definitely by the draft they're going to have to know because, like, that's when everything's kind of getting finalized. Or right, or right agency after or something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or no, probably by mini camp, I would think. But I, you know, quarterback jersey, you'd think that's going to be decided much earlier because this is the time. If you're a Colts fan, you want to, you're excited about the deal, you want to get a jersey, but you know, to right. determine what number he's going to wear. You hear him trying to get it up, trying to convince themselves. Get it up, baby. We're ready. Ah, no, we're not. Maybe we're not. <laughs> we do know what number Big Ben's going to wear, and that's number seven. He is coming back. They still got to finalize the details. Um, of his contract he's been on record saying like i'll play for whatever which i'm sure his agent wasn't thrilled about um but i mean joey resident steelers fan what are we thinking about this move yeah well i have the uh statement up that art rooney the steelers president uh art rooney the second released mm-hmm. we're taping uh wednesday morning he released it like 10 minutes before we started taping uh he said ben roethlisberger and i met yesterday morning tuesday morning and we had a productive meeting we were able to discuss a lot of things that relate to where we are and where we want to go ben assured me that he is committed to coming back to help us win and i told ben that we would like to have him back to help us win a championship but we both understand that the next step is to work out ben's contract situation so to your point uh obviously right now in 2021 he's going to be on the books for about 20 million dollars Mm-hmm. Um, signed a two-year extension uh and i think right after 2019 i can't remember exactly but two-year extension uh restructured there to uh keep him there for two years so it was about a 41 million dollar deal 20 million uh on the books for for 2021 so obviously with the, the cash strap stealers something's gonna have to work out um i wrote when when, when aditi kikambwala got that word from uh ben's agent ryan tolner i 
I wrote a blog last night and I, I basically said, you know, look, you got, we, we got to just accept it. You, we got to be ready for the good, the bad and the ugly with, with big Ben coming back in 2021, because I'm sure there will be all three of those things. Um, but again, it's amazing to me how quickly people forget 2019 and the fact that right, he was really good. Well, 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 that's 2018, but 2019 when he got hurt. Oh yes, yes, yes. No, you're good. 2019 when he got hurt and you know, everybody wants to apparently move on to Mason Rudolph or just let us lose out. But it, I mean, Mason Rudolph got benched for my guy, Duck Hodges and Duck Hodges was an FCS five ten undrafted quarterback practice mm-hmm. squad player. I love duck. He's my friend, but I mean, but that's just the facts of it. And people just continue to slander big Ben. And yes, I know that down the stretch last year was rough, but it wasn't all to the doing of big Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, his line was beaten up, was old. He had no run game. The offensive coordinator gone, the most stagnant, predictable offense in the whole entire league. I mean, I wrote that. Yes. The time is coming for one last ride with big Ben, but nobody can tell me that in 2021, the 2021 version of the Steelers would be better off with Mason Rudolph or Josh Dobbs or probably even a rookie quarterback in there instead of Ben Roethlisberger. I think that an injection of youth and investment and, and some more um, pieces on the offensive line in this year's draft, maybe a running back like Najee Harris, a new offensive coordinator that, again, hopefully isn't just completely predictable that my mother can sit there and second down know what's coming from Randy Feekner. James Canada got promoted to OC, right? Huh? Or Matt Canada got promoted to OC, right? Matt Canada got promoted to offensive coordinator, yes. Yeah, so they yeah. did a typical Steelers thing, and they hired from within and promoted. Um, but all those things combined, I, 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 yes, I know and I understand that the time is coming to an end for Big Ben, and I'm, I'm just like anybody else. If you can throw a trade package together where we take 24 and next year's first-round pick and we trade up to 10 or whatever and we get – Trey Lance or Mac Jones or, you know, whoever they think the guy is, Mm -hmm. I'm all for it. I understand that the end of this era is here. And and, and this is probably the last ride for seven, but at the same time, you cannot, you cannot tell me, like I said, that the 2021 version of this team is not better off with him as a quarterback to give them a chance. They can pull something out of his ass for one last run. I mean, I just, that's my belief. And, and, and I, you know, I'm cool with it for, for one last year. Hopefully they restructured, open up some more cap space to be able to help us out in that front. But um, that's just is what it is. It wasn't likely that he was going to retire. It wasn't likely that he wasn't going to come back next year. So we just got to face the facts with it, face the good, bad, and the ugly, and and ride out one last time with seven. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you put it perfectly. Like, yeah, they don't have a better option at this time. So Big Ben is that guy. So. We'll see. We'll see what it does. I mean, he was pretty good for most of the year. Let's see if he can keep the wheels on for you know sixteen plus more games. I really think if they either take Najee Harris for their first overall pick, I hope they don't do that. I hope they don't. I hope I, we do that. Yeah, I mean, if he if he's there, it'd be hard to pass on him. But I, I really hope first two picks, you get a left tackle, you get a center. Uh, you know, you, 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 you throw them in there, you invest in them just like you did back in 2012, 2013, when you got David DeCastro and a few other of those fellas and, and, um, you know, 
you have Kevin Dodson, who is a fourth round pick who played very, very well, was one of the highest graded pass protectors uh, for a rookie offensive lineman last year at left guard. You have him ready to go. Um, you know, the center is an issue. Villanueva is an issue, like I said, but inject a little bit of youth and depth in that offensive line. Let's roll, man. All right. Let's, uh, and also, sorry, Stephen Chai, I want to make one more, one more point on this. So you say that you, you know, they want to move on to, or they want to lose out and, and, and to figure out the quarterback position. Meanwhile, you're going to be wasting Minka Fitzpatrick, TJ Watt, Cam yep. Hayward, step on to it. Devin Bush coming back. I mean, those are five absolute studs on the defensive side of the ball that for the longest time we would have killed to have a defense like this. Mm-hmm. And now we're just all of a sudden going to accept, I ah, will throw Mason in there go seven and nine for a couple of years, waste those guys primes. No, man, we got to go. Yeah. Awesome. You don't want to have that JJ Watt talking to the John Watson walking off the field at game 16, man, we wasted a, you know, your prime year. Um, so, I mean, I think bottom line is big Ben has to find a way to last a little bit longer most guys have d- tried different ways to last longer, including Big Ben. In terms of football, I know. Thinking about baseball doesn't always work. The folks at Roman, an online men's health, health company, are changing the game with Roman Swipes, the secret to longer-lasting sex. Saying the Pledge of Allegiance in your head, thinking backwards from 10, those things don't work. Roman Swipes are clinically proven way to last longer in bed. They're effective, easy to use, fast-acting, and do not require a prescription. Roman can ship swipes, swipes to you in a discreet, unmarked packaging, and each swipes packet is small enough to hide in your wallet for whenever you need it. They're super easy to use. Just take swipes out of the packet, swipe it on, let it dry, and you're good to go. That is it. Go to GetRoman.com deep, and you can get your first month of swipes for just $5 when you choose a monthly plan. That's GetRoman.com deep. Again, get your first month for five, of swipes for $5 when you choose a monthly plan. Um, let's talk a guy who, uh, didn't last as long, uh, or sorry, did last, uh, actually, I don't know how I'm, I'm just destroying this transition. Um, uh, but Isaiah Wilson, um, he was a, a tackle, um, out of Georgia. He was a surprise pick at the end of the first round. I think it was 29th overall by the Titans. Um, he's in a little bit of trouble. So, um, he tweeted that he is done with football as a Titan and then deleted the tweet. He has, uh, he played four snaps this year as a first round pick. Um, he had a DUI and was suspended, uh, and then he was put on the COVID list twice. Um, GM John Robinson who used to be with the Bucks. Uh, he's a Bucks assistant GM. He came out and said something like, "This is not the guy that we evaluated. Like, re- he really needs to find out if he like lo- loves football or not." Um, and then uh, Wilson put that tweet out. So, just kind of goes to show you how hard of a, an exact science the draft is. But Joey, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, sad. You hate to see these kind of stories that pop up. You know, it feels like every couple of years, every three years where, you know, you're going to have your busts in the draft that sure they'll play out the rookie contract and, and it just didn't really work out. You know, they didn't turn out to be a player that, that you, you hoped they would and that their franchise hoped they would. But it feels like, like I said, every few years we have these kind of stories where like a guy just absolutely like flames out i mean like just you know after one season or it doesn't even make it to you know camp or whatever it is and 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 so it's just sad you know i I don't know exactly what's going on you know in this in this kid's headspace or in in his personal life that's made it this way maybe he you know 
uh, it's just a classic tale of like somebody who, who, who got a bunch of uh, money and, and didn't really know what to do with it. And, and kind of just, you know, lived a lavish lifestyle and it was like, well, damn, I have this money. What, what else, why am I doing all this other bullshit for? I don't know. It just kind of, you know, bums me out for him. I hope everything's all right. You know, like, like yeah. I said, like the, in between the ears, I feel like in a situation like this to where you're a first round pick and it, it works out so poorly that there has to be something deeper going on there so you know yeah. i just i hope i hope i hope he's all right yeah um it's crazy like we had john spytek on who's the uh director of player personnel for the pucks last year and he was talking about the draft uh and it, he says that they don't miss on the player and the skill evaluation it's more from the neck up and this is like a classic case of like john robinson even saying it john spytek's the guy who replaced john robinson with the bucks but he's just saying like this isn't the guy that we evaluate. Like we evaluated a certain guy on tape. We interviewed him. Like he came across good. And this guy is just a totally different dude. So drafting yeah. a very inexact science, no matter what the position. Um, but we do have uh, an offensive lineman who has his head on very straight. That's Bucks center, Ryan Jensen. But Joey, this guy's tough. Tell me how tough this guy is. He is tough. He is as tough as they come. And he reminds me a lot of Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever, Stephen Shea. And you were talking a little bit about uh, Devin White earlier and your connection with him. Obviously, at his time in LSU, it was uh, Get Live 40. Uh, and, and he was playing for my guy, Coach O. So I have Coach O here to talk not only about Devin White, but about Chevy Silverado because of how advanced the Chevy Silverado is. Coach O, take over for me, huh? Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. Silverado strong. It's advanced, dependable, hardworking, a lot like Devin White. Silverado's dependable like the people who drive them. The design is big, bold, commanding. The truck turns heads, plain and simple. A partner with grit and determination. Anything is possible, and Silverado is a partner in that. You could use it for tailgating, out of Tiger Stadium, hauling, towing, off-roading, Moving day, I know Joey's getting ready to move, so he's probably going to need one of those. Helping out your friend or family member, road trips across the country, all that. Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. Thank you, Coach Joe. Uh, yeah, and so like you said, Chevy Silverado, a lot like our guy Ryan Jensen. Yeah, man, I appreciate you guys having me. It's been a, it's been a fun journey. Yeah, I mean, you were uh... – uh, obviously super in the spotlight, uh, you know, four playoff games, including the Super Bowl 55 at home. Um, so just talk to us about it. I mean, what was that playoff run like? You, you guys went in as the five seeds. You played three road games before getting the Super Bowl at home first time in history. So kind of what was that like? Were you guys kind of thinking about playing that fourth home game the whole time? Or was it always just, you know, kind of take care of this one day at a time? Yeah, you know, I think that was kind of our mindset the entire entire year is just, you know, try to go one and oh each week and uh, you know, going going three straight home or away games on in the playoffs. I mean, that's not easy. So we had to just focus on uh, you know the task at hand, and uh, that's that's just kind of our mindset as a team uh, was just to go one and zero every week, and uh, it didn't matter if we're on the road or home. That's just that's all we could do. Man, you guys I, talk about being on the road. That first game against Washington, you guys were playing a quarterback by the name of I don't know Tyler. <laughs> like it was insane, and I'm watching this guy. You know, having a you know, he's kind of have a Doug Flutie, Rudy type moment. moment. Was at any point on the sideline, you're like, man, we cannot lose <laughs> some dude that has his name, his last name is close to Heineken. Because that's what people were going back and forth on Twitter. Is it Heineke, 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 Heineken? And this dude was tearing it up against you guys. What were you guys saying on the sideline? 
against Washington. You're not, you know, like sitting there watching the game and you see him doing that. It's just like, what is going on? Like we, this, this can't be the way our season ends by, you know, you know, a third string quarterback or, or whatever. And, you know, he, he went out there and credit to him, you know, he was balling out. He was doing some yeah. crazy stuff. He was getting out of really sticky situations and, you know, he was balling out, but, uh, you know, obviously we, we, we had to do, and we did what we had to do to, to win that game. And, uh, you know, I think there was a little bit of nerves uh, going into that first game, first playoff game for, you know, I think over 80% of the team, that was the first time they'd ever even touched the playoffs. So, uh, you know, I think there was a little bit of nerves to get over. And then, uh, you know, we went, we went down there and, and took care of business, but yeah, man, uh, Heineke or Hineke or however the hell you say his name, he, <laughs> he went out there and had himself a freaking day and, uh, you know, credits credits to him. Brian, go, Joey, hold on, Joey. I'm sorry, Joey. Chase Young before that game had a lot to say to about Todd uh, Tom Brady. I know from an offensive line standpoint, anytime you talk shit like that, you put a target on your back. What was the? I know Harold Goodwin. I know BA. I know that staff really well. If they want smoke, you guys are <laughs> ready to answer smoke. What was the mindset going into that game uh, against a young guy who Valop was having a big year, D-line, you knew about that D-line, but was Chase Young like, all right, you talk about our guy, we're coming after you? Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's any mindset of any offensive line when, you know, when, he, when he's calling out Tom like that, he's, he's really, he's calling out the offensive line. And, right. you know, a lot of guys, like, you know, that's our mindset is we're going to take that, we're going to take that personal. And, you know, I think we did, you know, Donovan uh, had probably one of his best games of his year. Uh, against against you know one of you know a generational type of talent you know that Chase Young could be, and it, it's funny because I, I kept talking. I'm like they ran a lot of TEs, a lot of TEs. I'm like I'm gonna I'm gonna slide doing. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to take his head off, <laughs> and and they ran a TE and I went to take his head off and he backed out of it. He didn't want it. He didn't want yeah. that smoke. And it was a uh, it, it was kind of funny like looking back on it now. But uh, yeah, man, it was when a defense lineman or D end or whoever, you know, calls out your quarterback, you know, they're really calling out uh, the offensive line. So that's something, you know, you kind of take personal as an offensive line in, in the business world, you know? Yeah. Ryan, you, uh, a lot has been made uh, by Chris Long and a few others on Twitter this last week that you're an instigator and we'll get to more <laughs> to that. I love obviously. it. But I, I want to go to the Super Bowl right before half. Tom Brady's John with Tyron Matthew. He's going off. He comes back to the sideline, and there's this shot of you kind of <laughs> looking down, kind of talking to him, checking in on him. What went down with that? How would you calm down the goat in that situation? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't really see what happened. I was, I was too busy celebrating the touchdown. Um, so I, did, I, didn't, I actually didn't know it was Tom that uh, got into it at first. And I was like, what the hell is going on? Because, you know, a big crowd got, got piled up over there, and usually – when it was a big crowd, usually I'm in the middle of it. So uh, <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't know what was going on. And uh, I went to sign like, what the hell was that all about? And they're like, oh, Tom and, and Tyron got at it, got after it. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So I just went over to Tom and was like, yo, what, what happened? And he's just, you know, he, he was just like, yeah, fuck it. It's, it's whatever. I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll get his ass, you know. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it was, there, was, there wasn't really much said about it. You know, Tom was fired up. And he goes, ah, it's good. It's whatever. I'm like, all right, cool. I'm still going to go get his ass. But uh, no, nah, it was, uh, it's, it's, it's awesome seeing a quarterback. I, I love, I love Tom for his fire. It kind of reminds me of me, uh, you know, getting in people's faces. Let's rewind back to that game uh, against Washington. So uh, a guy, the Bucks have been very fortunate that they've had very few injuries. And you know, Ali Marpet missed the game uh, against the Saints and stuff like that. But injury wise, haven't really been affected on the offensive line. 
Alex Kappa breaks his ankle against uh, Washington. He broke his arm last year against the Saints and, and finished the game. But he breaks his ankle uh, during that game and then tries to play. What happens right after that happens? Did you guys know he was seriously hurt? And then did you guys have to, like, kind of force him off the field? Yeah, you know, that was, like, right before halftime, uh, you know, a couple of minutes before halftime. And it, it didn't look good. He got rolled up pretty good. Um, but going into halftime, I, you know, I went and found him, make sure he was good. And they were taping up his ankle and, and uh, spatting his cleat and everything like that. And I'm like, you good? He goes, yeah, I'll be good to go. I'm like, all right, cool. So he comes out at, at halftime after halftime and is, you know, taking some sets and trying to, you know, see if he's actually good. And he has, he has one of our guys bull rush him and he tries to, he tries to plan on it. He's just like, I, I can't, I can't do it. Uh, so it, it, it sucks because he was having a, a really good year. Um, but, you know, Aaron Stinney stepped up and, and, you know, really balled out those last, last three games. So, uh, you know, it's a shitty thing for, for cat, but it was a really good opportunity for, for Stinney. Absolutely. It's always weird, man. I think when people talk about, um, how do you describe what you've been through, uh, in pursuit of a Super Bowl? There's so much that happens within a year, but there's always a couple of defining moments say, you know what, this was kind of made the season what it was, or this kind of got us there. I felt after the Watson game, you guys were able to overcome. New Orleans, was I knew it was going to be a dog fight, right? It was so much emotions going into that game. I mean, Stephen Che, you know, he was more erratic and nervous about that Saints game than he was the actual Super Bowl. And to me, <laughs> I feel like he robbed the people of pure – Emotion. I wish I would have took Stephen Che versus the Saints emotions instead of the Super Bowl emotions. So I, that's just it. But to fast forward, man, the Saints game was a lot. But the NFC Championship, man, going against Green Bay in Green Bay, Aaron versus Tom, that offensive line, I mean, your offensive line versus that defense, um, there was so much. I felt like that was kind of the Super Bowl. And I say that because that was when, I, when we played Baltimore – um, the third time before we went to Tampa to, to, to beat Arizona, that a that AFC championship game was, I was exhausted. Like I can't, from an emotional standpoint, there was so much built up. It, you know, it was, it was our defense versus their defense. It was Ben versus Flacco. It was yada, 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 yada. But we were, I was so emotionally exhausted. I, Valley, I'm not saying I wanted to lose the game, but I kind of wanted to tap, but I could, you know what I mean? Like you can't, because so much is on the fucking line. You're, you never know if you're going to get here to this point. Everybody's invested. The city at this point is invested. I, we were walking around in town, you know, on usually in Pittsburgh, Fridays is, 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 is Jersey Day. So you'll see the cafeteria lady to the crossing guard wearing a steel jersey. Well, they said, fuck that. We're starting Jersey Day on Monday. So we were watching a week for <laughs> the city wearing jerseys. So it, it, it so from, from a player standpoint, this was bigger than us, right? Like the city was literally on our back. Did you guys feel going into that NFC Championship against Green Bay and Green Bay? What was the emotions like? And did you? What were your emotions like? Because you listen, you almost lost Washington. You win a dog fight against New Orleans Saints. Boom, you land, you landing and and goddamn uh, Lambo against Aaron Rodgers. This technically could be it for you guys. Everybody's kind of wanting it to be it, and you guys are like, you know what? Put put our foot in the middle of the ring. Let's bang, man. Can you talk about the emotions going into the NFC Championship? Yeah, it's it's an emotion like you know, kind of like you said, like everybody's so fucking tired, you know. Yeah. Everybody's wore out from the from the year. It's been a long season. Then you you throw COVID on top of that, and it's like, you know, we got to do this thing. You know, the the city was 
you know, Tampa was starting to buzz really, you know, people in Tampa were getting behind us. It was, it was awesome. Um, I remember coming home from, from Washington, the Washington game, and there was probably about, yeah, it's called 50 people at the airport waiting, you know, yelling and cheering us on and, and stuff like that at like three o'clock in the morning when we got home. It was like, oh, that, that's pretty cool, you know. Then after the Saints game, you know, that, that crowd grew to about a thousand, I would say. Probably a thousand people are out there. Um, and then, you know, we, so we're going into Green Bay and we know like the city's behind us and we're, I mean, we're ready to go ball. I mean, it, it's NFC Championship game, Lambeau Field, prime time. Yeah. You know, that's, that's what you dream of as a kid. So you have that emotion of, you know, this is, this is one of those defining moments in, in your career. And, you know, so we, we went up there and man, it was quite the, uh, the atmosphere. We hadn't had fans pretty much all game or all year rather. And they had 10,000 people or 11,000 people and, and damn, it was loud. They had these freaking uh, like those poster plastic, boards, yeah. like plastic poster boards and they're hitting those metal stands. And like we hadn't gone silent all year. And that was the first time oh. we'd gone silent. Thank God we practiced it on Friday because if we hadn't, we might've been in trouble, but no, Think man, it was that. Just, if you use 10,000 people to go for, to, to, you have to play silent count. That's unheard of. Like that, I had about 10,000 at Hofstra and nobody gives a shit about us. <laughs> you never hear me? So to hear you yeah. say 10,000, you had to use silent count. Is it nuts? I, I can tell you Green Bay, when they were fired up, they were ready to rock. Oh, definitely. You know, Green Bay, I, those fans they're, they're crazy they're, they're the best people in the world but they're, they're some crazy ass fans but yeah man going to that game it was just you know it, it is at that point you know obviously it's playoffs it's winter go home and uh everybody wanted to you know keep keep going and keep playing and you know that was that was another dog fight another game where uh, i feel like as the offensive line we went out and, and took care of business yeah. uh, for the most part and we didn't really even play that good of a game we, we did enough to to win it was just a heavyweight battle and uh you know coming home after that game you get off you get off the plane and you know there's probably i'm probably exaggerating but it felt like there was probably about ten thousand people waiting outside the airport <laughs> you know just just going nuts that plane ride home everybody was you know partying having a good time but uh no it, it was it was wild and just the emotion of, of winning a game like that is is unreal I actually was more excited and and you know fired up after that game than i was after the super bowl same it was, uh, it, pretty 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 yeah. weird you know but you know, I, I get, I get the it's, it's Baltimore, Baltimore, Pittsburgh. That's that that game's just different, man. Playing in that yeah. game four or five times, that game's just different. And then you add on an AFC Championship game, I, I can imagine the emotions running through that. Yeah, but to your point, when we when we won, man, it was I partied my dick off like I did. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Because like we because we didn't have a shot. Like you're not gonna beat the Baltimore Ravens three times. Like it, it just it was like it was like going. It was like people were counting us out. So um i can remember feeling like man when we won i i was exhausted like mentally like, this didn't care about anything no more i just i was so happy we won to super bowl it took me like two days to kind of like wrap my mind like bro now you got to go win this thing like all right now you, yeah now you kind of now you're over the mountain now you got to go actually go win this thing so um congratulations once again ryan you well, were was talking about partying what was your drink of choice for the parade for the parade i was i started with coors light and then uh I don't know how many of those I drank. And then after that, it was whatever people were throwing to me out. You know, <laughs> it, it was, it was, it was like a, it was like a war out there. There's a beer cans fucking flying. It was, it was, uh, it was, it was crazy. You had to keep your head on a swivel. You're going to take one to the face. So you didn't take the, uh, the liquor, you didn't take the uh, beer before liquor makes you sicker approach. You were just anything coming your way. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, uh, 
I didn't know liquor that day because it was, it was so damn hot. If I would have drank any liquor, I probably would have died. Um, but now nah, the best moment I had from the parade, you know, from a from a drinking aspect was uh, there was a there was a white claw boat that was like rolling next to my boat. They threw me a white claw and I went to shotgun it, you know, because that's what you do with white claws. And I actually I, I actually bit the white claw can in half and it just it just like exploded and it was just I literally bit the fucking thing in half. It was. I, it, at that point, nobody really knew what was going on anymore. <laughs> was Tom that drunk? That famous scene that he's walking out, was he that drunk? Or what, what's going on there? Shout out Ryan Griffin, hold-up guy. Yeah, I, I honestly don't know because I, I didn't even see Tom uh, at the parade. He had, he had his boat. And then by the time uh, my boat got to the after-party meeting thing or whatever it was, uh, I think he was already gone. So I actually didn't get to uh, – uh, see him while he's there so i i honestly don't know if he was that that drunk or not first of all he said he got loaded off avocado tequila like that's <laughs> that's where the tv 12 method needs to take a pause anybody, <laughs> anybody? um who what who was on your boat was it like an o-line boat yeah our boat was pretty much all the uh, offensive lines all, all the offensive line uh guys and i think the strength and conditioning uh uh, coaches were on, were on our boat, and I think that was that was about it. I think there was a couple stragglers, but uh, I can't really remember. But yeah, our, ours was pretty much the, the O line boat. Who can get after it the most on the O line? Man, I you know I, I think it's just because he's so young. Uh, I mean, Tristan was getting after it. He was he was, <laughs> he was having a, he was having him a good time. The shirt came off. Yeah, you know, it, it was he, he was having a ball. I mean, all of us though, all of us were getting after it. It was a I mean, that, that's actually the, the parade is is when I finally realized, like, holy shit, we won the Super Bowl. Like, yeah. after the game, it was like, oh, okay, this is cool, the confetti, you know, the trophy ceremony, all that. But, like, after the parade or during the parade, about halfway through, I'm, I'm sitting on the – or, like, standing on the front of the boat, you know, getting the crowd going and stuff. And I just, like, like looked around and the amount of people are there, and I started, like, crying a little bit. I'm like, God, you little bitch, why are you crying? But, <laughs> but like – I just, I just, I just sat there and I'm like, holy shit. Like we, we did it. Uh, like we won the Super Bowl, And that, that was like my define, like my holy shit moment was like looking at the city and this boat parade, like we won the Super Bowl. That was my, that was my moment when it finally set in. Awesome. Yeah. There, it was crazy. As much as you have that moment, like four years from now, you're going to have it again. <laughs> Next gonna- year. You're gonna be like in a parking lot somewhere, and it's gonna be like your banner's gonna you somehow you're gonna walk by. But God damn, I that was me. I did that. So um, I want to drop this at you, man. One of the hardest things I think uh, going into an offseason after winning the Super Bowl is to understand that you got to do it all over again, right? Like you got you got another pursuit, but that your team has is going to be different. Possibly you talk about Gronk being a free agent, Antonio Brown, uh, Leonard Fournette, uh, all these other guys. What's what was was it was it kind of was it kind of somber and you know like this locker room is gonna be different like when you know this team is was special but we got to go back and do it with some guys that may not be here again was there any talks about kind of like you know let's stay in touch or you know what what are guys thinking yeah I mean I don't think there was any like any somber moments like that but you know that that's just his business it's that's just what happens uh, you know the twenty twenty bucks are, are are the twenty twenty bucks and they're not going to be the same as the twenty twenty one bucks you know there's always going to be pieces moving and, and it's a chess game. And, you know, hopefully we can get, you know, the majority of our, our key players back. And, and if not, you know, that, that's the game, you know, God yeah. bless them for going and getting, getting their, getting their money. You know, that's, that's what it's about. You know, it's about the team, but it's also about setting you up for your future. And 
um, you know, that's, that's just what it is. Um, but, you know, even if we lose a couple of those key guys, there's, there's some young guys that are, are up and coming in this league. And I'm excited to see, uh, you know, get their opportunity. If, if that is the case, if we do lose some of these, uh, you know, key free agents and, and stuff like that. But yeah, man, I, I think everybody was just so excited and everybody's so excited for each other that, uh, you know, that just comes with the territory of, of the of right. professional football is you're going to lose guys in free agency, whether you're a, a one in 16 team or you're, you know, a 16 and O team, that's just, that's just the way it is. So, um, you know, obviously want every weapon we can get back to, you know, try to, to run at it again. But, um, you know, I think with our young guys that we have, uh, I think we have just a good opportunity if, if we lose a couple of those guys. Plus uh, the GM, my guy, Jason Light, had a couple couple Bud Lights and pretty much said everyone's going to be back, which was a great moment. Oh, for sure. I, Joe, you got one before I go? I don't know. Oh, I was going with Steven. I thought Steven. Uh, okay, in. sorry, Joe, you go ahead. No, you go, you go, okay. you go. Yeah, um, it's your turn. <laughs> let's uh, let, let's talk about uh, a guy who probably didn't get enough credit, and it sucks with the with the way the, the head coaching cycle works. Um, you know, obviously Todd Bowles is a name that gets some uh, recognition, but talk about Byron Leftwich, who you're you know obviously closer with on the offensive side of the ball. Um, Daniel Jeremiah, who is you know probably a future GM himself, but you know big guy in NFL media, who said that when he interviewed Byron Leftwich at the combine he thought he was going to be a head coach one day just because he had that type of command and presence. Uh, he obviously drew up a great game plan against the chiefs. Um, does he deserve to be a head coach soon? Is he ready? Yeah, I, I think, I think Byron deserves every opportunity to, to be a head coach. Like you said, he has that command and, and with him being a former player, he can relate to, uh, you know, you know, us as players. So I, I always enjoy having a, a coach who, was a former player because he knows what we go through on the, the day in and day out grind, you know, and that's not taken away from any coach that hasn't ever, you know, strapped up in the, in the NFL or anything like that. But when you have a coach who, who knows, you know, the ins and outs of the stress that you guys go through as players, that that's huge because uh, you know, he, when you come to go to him and say, Hey, I, I need a day, I need a day off or something like that. He'll understand. And, you know, most of the time he'll give you a day off like that. But yeah, Byron, uh, is, is an up and coming uh, coach. And I, I do think he deserves uh, a shot as a head coach in the next, you know, in the coming years. So uh, I would, I would completely agree with that. I want to, I want to ask you, we started this interview there. We were kind of hitting how you were always, uh, I loved watching you play this year, man, because you reminded me so much of myself. It's just like, fuck it. Every, every round, I'm just going to give you a little extra, a little extra pepper. Um, now I think there's a big target on your back now. Now you're starting to know because now the announcers are calling you out, like man, they're going to it again. <laughs> you know, he's in the scramble, just doing it. You know, um, and I love that. Now that you kind of have the target on your back, man, do you do you feel like more defensive linemen are kind of? I know when I played, people before we got like, all right, all right, Willie, don't cut the bullshit today. I don't want to hear no. You know, are you starting to get that reputation? Are people starting to kind of know that you're the you're the chippy one out of the group? Yeah, they they they're they're always saying that shit. They always the funny thing is they always try to bring that energy to me, and I just I feed off of it and I, and I love it. So it's like they you know they know I'm that guy, so they try being that guy back to me. But you can't you can't do it to the guy, you know. If you're not the guy, you can't be the guy, you know. So I I, I always I always enjoy when when D Lyman uh, come out and and start talking about that right away because I'm already in their head. Like they right. already know. I'm like oh, okay, well. If you're worried about me doing, you know, just the extra little shove, the extra little shit talking, I've already won. Like this, now, now I'm already in your head. It's it's already going to be an easy day to get you pissed off. So, 
but yeah, I, I definitely have that, that reputation, uh, you know, especially with the refs, usually before every game, they come up to me like, Hey, we know we love your game, but you know, just make sure you go to that line and you don't cross it. I'm like, Oh, you know me, I ain't, I ain't going to go past the line. But, uh, uh, yeah, man, it's a, it's, it's a reputation and you know, I, I enjoy it because that's just who I am. That's, that's how I play the game, you know? And it's funny because a lot of people are like, oh, he must just be such a dickhead off the field. I'm like, nah, I just it's, it's all business, baby. It's just business. I mean, that, that was huge. It was, uh, you know, the, the you started the unraveling of the Chiefs because it was a, a potential third <laughs> yeah. down and their best defensive player, Chris Jones, you know, you give him a little extra shove right after the whistle and then he punches you. Um, and that it would have been whatever, third and five, third and six, something like that. Uh, but that ends up being a first down and then, you know, that was the beginning of the unraveling of the chiefs. So shout out to you. <laughs> Appreciate that. Yeah. It was a, you know, that, that's, that's my game. You know, get guys out of their games. So uh, to be able to do that and, and get a free first down, Hey, that's a, that's a win in my books. I don't know if you saw this week, um, the daughter or granddaughter of the guy who forged the Lombardi trophy. She was not very happy with you guys for your uh, conduct with the trophy during the parade. Uh, do you do you have anything to say to her? Anything you want to address on this show and use this platform? <laughs> I mean, what are you going to say to a guy who's won seven of them? Uh, I mean, it, it just is what it is. We're, we're out there having a, a good time. I mean, she she might, you know, it, it, she should look up what, what, you know, hockey players do to the Stanley Cup, right. you know, <laughs> and, and what happens to that thing. You know, the right. tradition behind that is is crazy, so. Uh, you know, the, the Lombardi trophy getting thrown a, across to another boat, you know, compared to having beer and, and everything else chugged out of it. And guys know what done to it. But uh, no, I think I think. Uh, I mean, she can be upset if she wants to. That's that's her that's her God given right. But to me, it's just it's not that big of a deal. Right. I'm glad you said that, man, because I, I when I was in Pittsburgh, man, and I remember when we won the Penguins had one and hearing the stories, what they did to that guy, that cup, some of them should have been arrested with the cup. <laughs> You know I, mean? so I think you make a very, very good point. All Tom Brady did, uh, Tom Brady did, was toss the damn thing to his teammate. Like it wasn't like he banged it over the boat or he, you know, he was wiping his tail with it. Like he, he was just, he just tossed it. So the lady needs to relax. When I heard the story, I'm like, she needs to take it. She just wants attention. She needs to chill the fuck out. Yeah, Gronk fucking yeah. hitting it while he was in New England. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, so obviously, this was a historic playoff run, one for the ages. I got to ask, did you guys feel any extra maybe good juju or good karma along the way? Because of you, Stephen Che? Oh, is that what you're saying? No. Well, so, I mean, now that you've kind of spoiled it, Willie. Right. Um, <laughs> I was doing – I was doing the – I did the TB12 method the entire postseason run after the game against – was it Atlanta, the season finale? I did that Monday through Super Bowl Sunday, gave up everything, no <laughs> nothing, drinking a ton of water – so uh you're welcome did my part oh, thank you i appreciate that i appreciate that you know you're starting you're starting to look like tom now it's, it's, it's all go. good your rings on the way steven congrats <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm trying to petition jason to get me one you, right. you deserve ones trey i've never met somebody who before the bucks were hot, got hot man you were still you still riding the pirate ship hard so uh you you deserve something we we oh, got to figure out something uh ryan last for me brother What's what's your offseason plans, man? And 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 what's the goal going into next year? Obviously, it's it'll be very media cliche to say, well, we got to go back and strap it up and win another one. But I think it's different for you guys, right? And um, my only word of advice when we try to 
after we won is figure out how the fuck to get over it. Like we did not get over that we won in Tampa, man. Like if we, I remember we were the following season in October, we were still kind of talking about what we did last year. And then we were still trying to pull pieces of how, what made us successful last year. Um, so figure out how to fuck get over it. But I just, uh, to, to, to throw the question out again, what, what do you, what do you got going for the off season? Are you going to go see, you know, shoot some moose during the, you know, kill some, <laughs> what are you going to be doing? Yeah. I mean, I just, I just got back to Colorado. So I'm just going to relax a little bit after, after a season like that, you know, get my body back a little bit, but uh, I'm going to do some four wheeling, some off-roading, some camping, just, you know, some, some good old fashioned uh, redneck shit, just relax. But uh, yeah, I might, I might, try, I might, uh, might have a plan to go up to Alaska and try to go, uh, go bear hunting. Oh, but wow. uh, well, well, that's, that's still in the works trying to figure that out. But yeah, man, going back to your point about like getting over, you know, what we did this year, I think that's a, the biggest challenge. I know, uh, you know, coming in and getting drafted to Baltimore after uh, they won the Super Bowl in, in 2012, you know, getting drafted there in 13, there was a lot of that same kind of you know, what we yeah. did last year, this and that. And I think that starts early in, in camp with, with creating a new identity of your team of who you are and, and what you are. So uh, that that's a that's a good point that you, you brought that up because I feel like that's what happens to a lot of teams that uh, win the Super Bowl and then the next year they go fall flat in their face. So finding that new new identity is is going to be huge this off season. And uh, you know, like like Tom always says, you know, his favorite ring's the next one. So kind of got to forget about forget about what happened the year before and, and move forward. Wait, we'd be sorry to cut you off, Joey. We'd be remiss to to ask. I mean, what are you cooking this off season? You're one of the mayors of Steak Twitter. <laughs> what what do we got going? I, I just got a brand new deck put on my on my uh, on my house. Got a brand new, awesome grill. Uh, so there's gonna be there's gonna be a lot of shit coming off, uh, coming onto onto steak Twitter and, and steak Instagram. So uh, stay tuned. There's gonna be a it's gonna be a chef show for sure. Let's go. As a guy who begrudgingly I had to do it just to prove I was doing it, I had to post pictures of my food every time every day for the TB12 <laughs> method. I hated it, but you actually have awesome food pictures that you post so i very much look forward to those and you do an awesome job obviously with the meats definitely Brian, appreciate you, that you've been to uh san elmo's in indianapolis i haven't so I, that's where i thought they were going to take so i went there for uh a uh free agent's visit when i was a free agent back in 17 and i thought they were gonna thought they were gonna take me there and i was i was really excited and then they just took me to the 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 restaurant and the hotel that i stayed in and i was kind of bummed but i've heard i've heard great things about it yeah, next time you're in town, and now now I know you're a steak guy. You uh, you got to hit St. Elmo's, man. It's uh, it's one of a kind. You'll love it. Perfect. I'll check it out. <laughs> um, last one for me. I mean, we we we'd be remiss to ask. I'm sure you get asked this question a lot, but what is, what was the season like with Tom? Because when we talked to you last time, you know, he just showed he just showed you how to <laughs> uh, fold that towel and Velcro it into you know your butt. Uh, so how how did, how did the season go from there? Um, you know, obviously quarter. Uh, uh, center quarterback relationships are sacred yeah definitely it was it was it was great I mean we meshed really really quickly and pretty easily um, you know you always have your little hiccups on how you see things right off the bat but you know throughout the year we just started reading each other's mind really uh, I kind of knew what he wanted and out of a certain defense out of a certain look when it came to pass protection and, and stuff like that so um, throughout the year it was just just like grew and grew and uh, by the end of the year you know we were pretty much uh I would say 98% of the time on the same page on right off the bat, what he wanted and, and how he wanted things protected. So uh, 
you know, it's a, it's an important to, you know, make sure you're on the same page with the, the center quarterback thing. Cause I've been on teams where I'm not playing center, but the center and quarterback aren't always on the same page. And that leads to uh, uh, the quarterback usually getting his head taken off. So it's uh, it's very important. Awesome. Um, Ryan Jensen, Super Bowl champion, recurring guest of the program. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I will, of course, look forward to watching you every game uh, the rest of your career, hopefully, with the Bucs. <laughs> um, but appreciate you very much coming on the show. Uh, and have a great offseason, man. You're a world champion. Yeah, man. Go celebrate. It.